Welcome to the latest episode of Blackhawks Insider, the official podcast of the Chicago Blackhawks presented by ChevyDrivesChicago.com. Drive what Kane and Taves drive. We've got a bit of an abbreviated episode for you this week, and we're welcoming on today's guest right off the top. He is none other than Scott Darling, former Blackhawks goaltender, Stanley Cup champion, and now part of our Chicago Blackhawks broadcast team. It's been great on a personal level getting to know you, Scott, this season. You've done such a great job in the studio. You were thrown into the fire, man. You're figuring it out. You're doing a great job. You're learning on the fly, kind of like me (laughs) in a lot of ways. Um, Here we are now, a couple of months into the season, and I think back to the home opener when we were doing the red carpet event. And how are you feeling, man, with with your uh, burgeoning broadcast career now that we're about two months or so into the season? Well, uh, thanks for having me. Um, It's been a lot of fun. I'll tell you that. You guys are a lot of fun to work with. I get to know all you guys. And uh, I'd say from day one to now, (laughs) there's been a positive progression. (laughs) I thought it was pretty terrible at the beginning. I'm... (laughs) I'm still I'm still not good by any means, but I'm a lot better than I was uh, day one. And I've had a lot of fun doing it with you guys. It's all about reps, baby. You know that's what uh, that's what it ultimately comes down to. Listen, um, you know, so here we are. I, I'm I'm in here with a winter hat. Uh, it, it's freezing cold this week here in Chicago and across the Midwest. You know, but all right, this is going to sound like an off the wall question, but I, I promise, uh, just stick with me here. When was the last time? you were clean shaven and and did not have the beard. 2013 2013 wow. so you okay so we're coming up on, on 10, <laughs> yeah, 10 years, years 10 yeah. straight years i <laughs> the wow. anniversary i found out i found out i think I, I think i hit puberty when i was uh in 2013 i found that i could grow i found out i could grow a beard and i never went back God, darling is the is the James Harden of the NHL. Um, but listen, the reason why related to the weather, do you realize how much warmer that beard keeps you in cold temperatures like this? I mean, you, you've basically got a coat it's on a your double edged sword though, because it freezes over too. You know, yeah, really, you, you got a scarf on, and then you get a little sweat and any moisture in there freezes right over. Icicles on your face. Icicles on, I, on your beard. Wow. I asked Chris if he shampooed and conditioned or treated his mustache during November. <laughs> I assume that yours takes a great deal. You no, know, honestly, I don't do anything. I, I don't do. I don't do really? anything. Really? Uh, I mean, obviously, I obviously oh, trim awesome. it. But what did you do for your stash there for November? Well, Kaylee is being. Uh, uh, it, she's she's trolling me. I mean, <laughs> listen, it was no, only, it was nice. Yes, you are, and it's okay, Kaylee. You are, and it's all right. I, I, Listen, I, I get like, so I, I grew out a mustache for 30 days. And by, I think day 25 is when people were like, are you growing a mustache? Like, so <laughs> I didn't really get to the point where I had to shampoo or condition it or anything like that. You know, I mean, it's not even like food was getting stuck in it or anything like that. But, <laughs> you know, I, 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 Scott Darling, you are my inspiration when it comes to facial hair. And uh, I'm going to try and go for two months yeah. next season. So at that point, maybe I will get to the point where I have to start treating it. But hey. The Scott Darling treatment is is no treatment. Hey, so, like you said, it's really, all about rest. You can try this summer. You know, go for two <laughs> months and see where you get. So, well, Scott, it's been really fun to get to know you away from the rink. Uh, I watched you play, obviously, when you played for the Hawks and Carolina. My brother played for the Checkers, so it's been really fun getting to see you in the broadcast um, seat. 
I wonder at this point now, like you've gotten a lot more reps and being on the media side of it now, even though obviously you're still close to a lot of the players on the team, how hard is it or what surprised you about being in the media analyst seat versus when you were a player and, and kind of what you thought about the media? Because it can be intimidating at times yeah, for us. Um, I always had a good relationship with the media uh, when I was playing. Um, you know, I tried to live up to the last name as a darling. Um but the thing that found me that like fascinated me is it is exhausting to uh, do what you guys do. And like, I don't do nearly as much as what you guys do. Like I do just like the games, like sometimes, and, but you guys are going to pregame skate, you know, doing events and, you know, Chris are all over the place. And when I'm done with the game, like when I play the game, I could usually like go hang out afterwards or whatever. And now if I, you know, I'm on TV for a game. My friends are like, you want to hang out? I'm like, no, dude. Like, where's my pillow? Like, I am gassed. I'm like, how, how am I more tired after broadcasting than I am, you know, when I was playing the game? So that's the thing that, like, surprised me the most about it. It's a, it's a, it takes a lot out of you to do it. Well, I think the one thing people don't quite realize is when you're broadcasting a game, your brain is just, I mean, it is going at full force. 24 7 when you're playing even though you need your brain you're so conditioned to put those pads on and be in the net it's it's like walking but you're you're using a whole new muscle and i even agree with you and now feel the same way i mean we get done a show or a game i'm going home but when we used to get done playing games it'd be like you guys want to go out everybody want to go get dinner maybe you know a couple of beers whatever and you always had the energy for that after playing so I definitely feel you on that one. And, you know, it, it has definitely been enjoyable. If somebody would have told me whatever, 10, 12 years ago when we were playing against each other, uh, that we'd be sitting in the studio talking hockey together and, and you know, I'd be asking you all sorts of questions about goalies. And I, I probably wouldn't have believed it at the time. Um, but you've kind of settled into your role, which has been really fun and, and enjoyable to watch. You kind of get used to all the ins and the outs of the studio. Uh, and then a couple weeks back, we were, there's the, the, the game, the St. Louis thing happens. <laughs> and we, 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 we finally get to see the personality because you have a huge personality. I mean, we're going to get into this about the comedy uh, and about all the stand-up comedy that you do, but you're funny. I mean, when we're sitting in there, Pat Boyle and I are laughing half the time, Kaylee, you know, as well. But like, you get on Twitter, you send that tweet out. Guys are retweeting it. They're sending it about St. Louis. Kelly Chase is is all hot and bothered and, and you know, looking for a physical <laughs> confrontation. Uh, like, how funny was that to you? Did you expect that to go where that went or to take on the life that it no, did? No, I, I mean, I didn't. But uh, for me, everyone was, like, asking me, like, are you okay? Are you okay? I'm like, I do not care. <laughs> like, I've been getting abused on Twitter for – you know, playing pro hockey for years, like, and like, it was all in good fun. You know, I like to poke the bear sometimes. Like, even like when I'm on stage, I'm kind of antagonist, you know, whatever city I'm in, I'll rip on them to try and get like attention and get people more engaged. And I was cracking up that Kelly Chase thing, man. I was like, he called my agent to relay messages to me. <laughs> I'm like, dude, you're not even from St. Louis. You're from Saskatchewan. <laughs> So next next alumni game, we know Blues Blackhawks alumni game. We we have our matchup. We we all know what to be I ready a little for. Older, now. I just gotta wear them out. You know. 
Oh, that's amazing. All right, Scott, let's uh, let's talk holiday movies. Uh, and I, you know what? I'm going to back it up a little bit. First, let, 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 we'll talk about another holiday quickly here. Uh, when Halloween comes around, do you ever dress up in any costumes? Is that your vibe? Do you ever go to costume parties maybe with your girlfriend or anything like that? No, honestly, I, I, I like to have fun, you know, but just costumes just aren't my jam, never have been. Um, if I'm obligated to, I'll put on, I don't know, a stupid costume, but I'm not the type of guy who gets too uh, excited about it. I have an idea for you. However, I think this would be very doable come next Halloween. And the reason why I mention Christmas movies, you know, Rudolph the Red-Nosed yep. Reindeer, classic. Have you ever considered a Yukon Cornelius costume? That, you I know, mean, you've got that's been mentioned to me before. If, if I ever needed to, um, I, I'll, I'll, re- I'll remember that. I'll take that into consideration maybe for the next, if we have a holiday <laughs> or a holiday party next year with the, the whole group. I think you would just need the beanie, you know, the flannel, some suspenders, some jeans, and you would be, you know, you could put a pillow in your shirt if you really wanted to. You're a, you know, you're a svelte guy, but uh, then you'd have it. It would be. Well, I'm like, be a, I'm a uh, method actor, so I would probably just put on the weight, like start now and like really be ready for next Halloween. You know, I really like to, I like to dive you're into a my method role. Actor? You, uh, like, are, you're, a, you're actually a method actor? I mean, I, know. I, I know that with your. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, man! I mean, this 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 is this is going to be great. Like, are are we going to start to see like some really like crazy stuff in your next in your next stand up comedy? Scott, routine? the guy who's asking you questions right now still leaves milk and cookies out on December twenty fourth. So him. just remember, he's oh, I I don't want to ruin it for him, but I, I just don't remember who's asking you questions here. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Scott, with with comedy, uh, I listened to you say one time like you you done a huge show for 450 people and then you've done shows with like three tables that had six people total um the six people sounds incredibly intimidating to me how do you battle that small of a crowd and like what's been your experience performing in large and then very small crowds like that? yeah it's uh it's tough because once you start doing the bigger shows you know like you know full theaters and stuff like that you know, there's more opportunity for people to laugh. There's more people paying to laugh. You know, they're more willing. There's more opportunity to get like hecklers that you can like engage with. And it's just in, on stage, you can't see anything anyways, right? So you can't see there's 600 people in the room. Um, you can hear them when they laugh, but that's about it. So I find that a lot more enjoyable. But yeah, like you're running into, I was telling you, I did a, a show like three weeks ago and there were six people and I was like, <laughs> and you can just see them like they're right in front of you just front row staring at you like make me laugh you know and it's like this is so uncomfortable <laughs> i i honestly i i think playing playing in front of twenty thousand people or more would be a million times less nerve-wracking than than having to go up and do stand-up comedy in front of any amount of people i i don't do you, really do you know even... how you do it do you read off a crowd of that few people or do you just kind of stick to your game plan? I kind of stick my game plan and go, but um, it depends. It's like every show is different, right? So like you got to get the vibe like yeah. in that group of six, there was like two people who were like engaged. So I kind of stayed towards them and there was like, you know, two people <laughs> that are like, this guy's an idiot. Like I can read it right on their face. And like, I'm like, I'm going to stay over by the, the two people who want to have fun and then not engage with the grumpy <laughs> ones in the, the ones in the middle were kind of in the middle so 
<laughs> and do you, Scott, do you feel like doing comedy is how you compete now? Is that sort of what fills that void of, of wanting to get better, wanting to compete every day? I mean, your ladder to the NHL was unorthodox and you had to climb a million different levels and work your way through so many different steps and you, and then you made it to the NHL, um, and you were successful as an NHLer. So obviously, that competitiveness burns within you. Is is comedy giving you that now? And are, are you sort of feeding off? Yeah, that? yeah, it's kind of the same, um, same thing. Like with with hockey, like I, I started off comedy in the, in the in this basement, and same mentality. It's like just work hard, make connections, do the right thing, do as many shows as you can, open mics, practices, like reps, like you said, Chris, just reps and reps and reps. Like if I'm not with you guys, I'm probably on a stage somewhere. Um, you know, even just if it's for 15 other comics and we're all just practicing jokes, like um, to get ready for like the real shows. But yeah, I mean, I've been climbing pretty quick for, for in my opinion, with the comedy stuff, I was very lucky to get attached and, you know, kind of tour with like a very famous comedian, just like the MC opener, but that like kind of leapfrog things for me. And so I'm excited to see where it goes. Um, I don't know if I'll ever be, you know, like a, a Netflix special level comedian, but obviously that'd be like the goal, but that's, you know, those guys, it takes them 10, 15 years to get to. Um, but for right now, I'm just really enjoying it. And like you said, Kobe, it, it does, it does like get me out of bed in the morning. I look forward to doing it. And also the broadcasting, I look, I look forward to seeing your guys' beautiful faces you know, all these games. That's right. Well, thank you, Scott. That's very kind of you to say. Look, uh, you know, reflecting back on my own career and how I've thought about it, you know, at the start, I never really considered or I never would have considered broadcasting sports announcing in the same sphere as comedy or, or stand-up comedy or really any kind of entertainment. And, and as I've gone along and gotten older, I've, I've actually realized that there is a lot more in common uh, between sports broadcasting and, a, and a, another industry like the one that you have familiarity with in comedy. I mean, they're, they're both based in entertainment, playing to a crowd, keeping an audience engaged. What sort of similarities in, I guess for lack of a better term, skill set do you see between your work in stand-up comedy and your work in sports broadcasting? Um, I see, you know, you got to, got to be fearless a little bit. Like, you know, forget the fact that like, you know, especially like we're alive when we're doing the broadcasting. Right. So it's, and, and I, it's, I have a mouth like a pirate. Like I've been afraid to swear. Like every, every show I make it through without swearing, I'm like success. Um, and so, <laughs> It's like, but me but too. Being, but being fearless, like you know, <laughs> the city of Chicago is watching you. You know, the fans are watching you, and it's terrifying. Like before I go on stage for like comedy, I, I always say like, "Why did I decide to do this?" Like, I'm an idiot, you know. Like, and then like I'm sweating before we go on live TV. I'm like, "Why did I decide to do this?" Like, I'm an idiot. <laughs> Holy, hold my hand, like you know. <laughs> but so that's that's a big parallel that I see between the two. Is you kind of just gotta. You know, it's it's scary, but it's like a good nervous excitement. And it, 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 both of them remind me of the feeling I had playing in the NHL. The scary, nervous excitement, but I thrived on it. It's, it's like a rush down your spine. And it, it's something that I really enjoy, even though it's scary. But uh, I really enjoy it. Well, I think that's the thing right there is that, you know, when you have that thought kind of flitter across your, your brain, 
about, oh my gosh, like what, what am I doing here? Why am I doing this right when you're about to go live? You know, it's, it, that's just the other side of the coin. You know, it, it's also the, you know, that adrenaline and that excitement. That's what keeps you coming back for more. And that's sort of what, what gets you hooked. So I, I, totally, I totally understand where you're coming from there. Scott, you told, you told us one night in studio that you used to puke before games back when you played with the Hawks. I thought it was hilarious, and I could not believe that you puked. There's an 82-game season. That's a lot of games. Yeah. Only starts, though, games. right? Yeah, only starts. Only st- okay, only starts. Well, okay, how did you- – first of all, what did Coach Q or anybody say to you about this, and how did this happen? Um, well, it started <laughs> – I need a play-by-play. Honestly, it started my first AHL game in, like, 2000. 13 maybe and like it had never happened before and just get my first start and i like felt <laughs> something and i was like oh you know just like sprinted and like and everyone heard me and like you know i was like embarrassed and then like i was like ah it's a one-off i'm just nervous my first game whatever and then i gotta shut up and then like it just never stopped it never stopped like all the way through like and, and i was so embarrassed when i come to a new team like like even I remember playing when I was with the Hawks, we were playing in the old Islanders stadium and the, yeah, the Coliseum, the, the bathroom was like tiny and right in the middle, basically in the middle of the locker room. So I was so embarrassed and like, cause I do it every game after warmups. I got a few, and I didn't want to like guys all be watching me basically. And so like the trainers put like a <laughs> towel, like little road down to the bathroom, like in the other locker room. So I could like sprint down, like, <laughs> And to the other locker room, that was a good one. But even like when I go in, if I got put into a game, I'd be like holding it like for the rest of the period so I could get off the ice and go. <laughs> I have puked on the ice before in a real game. <laughs> I just spit it in the net. Like when it, when everyone's looking oh. down at the other end. <laughs> oh. Amazing. All, like so water. that's why that's why it used to smell that yeah. bad in the in the defensive or in the offensive <laughs> yeah. zone at the University of yeah. Maine. I didn't do it in college, but, um, but yeah, it just it's again that nervous, I, like an anxious person, like the nerve. But I, I I thrive on. I love like it, it makes me feel alive, you know. So I I enjoy the feeling. I am happy that I don't puke between before broadcasting or comedy. You know? So yeah, I'm sure be a little bit harder. I was just going to say, I'm very thankful that you don't do that because that would probably get the entire studio uh, up in arms. You can imagine some of the, the really nice and funny people that we work with sort of behind the scenes at NBC, they would be having a field day with that. And I, I can't not ask a follow-up on this one, Kaylee. So I, I'm just going to stay with, with your question. Which of your Hawks teammates gave you the hardest time about the puking or, or did they make you put extra money on the board? No, I, I mean, broke. cause you're never supposed to mess with a goalie. Yeah. You're never yeah. supposed to mess with a goalie, <laughs> but like that is unique. Yeah. Um, I would say like the Brent Seabrook used to like to give it to me. Uh, um, Let's just say we were always in the bathroom at the same time after warmups, um, and uh, <laughs> and so he would like to give it to me. But the funniest one was in uh, that Nashville series uh, after the first period when they told me I was going in. Like I just slowly got up and walked back to the bathroom, <laughs> let it rip, and I walked out. And like everyone just like stared at me, like "Jeez, Louise, <laughs> like, like and then like, and then got. Get yeah, it then, together. Then I think Duncan Keith like slapped me on the butt. And he's like, "All right, let's go." <laughs> like, we're ready to go. <laughs> hey, triple he, overtime. Yeah. <laughs> Did you have to, you know, eat 
would you eat the same thing beforehand? I, I would always to make, make sure, sure that I you had something in your eat after a certain point. And I became a professional of this also. I would I would yeah. chug water. I would blow it myself. Like I would just like like if I didn't puke, like I would feel terrible. I would just chug like two, three full bottles of water right when I got off the ice after warm ups and just go get over with. And like, so. Okay. <laughs> goalies that. are normal. Don't you guys yeah. know that? The goalies are the normal ones. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Oh man, there's a re- there's a reason we uh we go back and forth so much when it comes <laughs> to the goaltending because you got you guys are aliens. Your position is alienated and I mean just like who know who But who, I, there's some of the most entertaining people and exciting people in the game, Scott. And I think we all appreciate a goalie. That kind of brings me to what I wanted to ask you too, having been a player in the locker room here especially um, I feel like hockey players get a bad rep. There's so many good personalities. You've kind of talked about Jonathan Taze being such a good guy in the locker room, but he has the nickname Captain Serious. What do you think it is about hockey in particular that makes players nervous to kind of show their personalities at times, especially now that you're on the broadcasting side of it? It's it's a lot more fun when you can interact with a guy that's happy to just be themselves. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's slowly kind of like um... – the, the switch is kind of starting to happen, but I think especially when I played, it's got kind of like an old boys club and like guys just want to like fly under the radar and not draw attention to themselves. You know, the cliche, like, yo, it's not me. It's the team kind of thing. And kind of just like, keep, I know I did. Like, I just wanted to keep my head up. Like, like the second I retired, I was like, Oh baby, now I can finally be myself, you know? <laughs> and, uh, but there, it is too, too bad because there are so many guys that, all over the league, not just like on our team that are such interesting, funny, like people, they have unique hobbies, you know, things like that, that you see in other sports get like kind of plucked out and shown, you know, for individuals, it's not a selfish thing. It's it's good for the fans to hear. It's, you know, good for them to express themselves. And, but you're seeing it more with this younger generation coming, coming up that, you know, but I think the NHL in general could do a little better job of pulling these special personalities out of the the mix and kind of showing the world who they are. Well, Scott, you're our resident goalie expert, as you have proven over the last however many minutes we've been doing this interview. So I think I would be remiss if I didn't at least ask you one kind of current Hawks question about the goaltending situation. Um, you know, just having you and having your point of view on goaltending is so helpful to our broadcast, but really to the organization because of, you know, the way we sort of carry uh, the message. And and we just watched Arvid Soder Soderbloom get uh, a pretty big chunk of, of games here at the NHL level. I don't think that was really the plan for him this season, but there's been some injuries. And as you, uh, as we all know, that's a lot of guys are able to make a career off of filling in for an injured player, taking the ball and running with it. So uh, I'd like to know from your perspective what you saw uh, at Arvid while he was up here, obviously now back in the American League, working on his game, developing, no rushing a goaltender, right, when you think a guy can be part of your future. So, you know, do you see what everybody else sees and, and all the positivity and, and the, you know, the potential special talent that we're sort of being told that he may be? Yeah, absolutely. I really enjoyed I'd never seen him play before this season. I, I really like the way he plays. He has a strong technical, uh, you know, you can tell from a mile away he's Swedish trained. And But coming up and, you know, away from the ice, it was a tough situation to be in. You know, you're not winning. You know, you're letting in four goals a game, four-plus goals a game. 
but he kept a smile on his face, kept working hard, showed up every day, had a positive attitude. And, you know, luckily he did, because from what I've been told and what, from what I see, he's going to be around for a while. So he's back in the American League where he should be. He's going to play a ton of games, and hopefully our two goals can stay healthy so Arvin can just play the rest of the season there and not have to go through this again, what he just went through. But um, So hopefully our two goalies now can stay healthy and Arvin can have a great rest of the year in the American League. And, you know, hopefully maybe next year's a year, maybe another year, but goalies take longer to develop. You know, Crawford played in Rockford for like five years before he came up. You know, I played in the minors four or five years before I came up. So, uh, but I was really happy with what I saw at Arvin. Why do you think that is, Scott? Why do you think it, it takes goalies – maybe a, a, an extra year or two in, in the minors to develop like that? I think because goalie is a real mental game. You know, you really got to become confident in yourself, like, to be able to have a bad game and let it go. Uh, so there's a big mental aspect to it. And also, I mean, it's just goaltending's not easy, you know. So, like you said, reps and reps and reps. I don't want guys sitting on the bench in NHL. They want to play in 60 games in the AHL, reps and reps and reps and reps to get ready for when you're ready for that opportunity to become, you know, full-time NHL goalie. Scott, like Jimmy Waite, the goaltending coach for the Blackhawks, said that he was really impressed with Arvid's ability to turn the page. He could react to film and make adjustments the next day, and he was mostly just impressed with uh, his ability to keep playing as well as he had despite not getting many wins, but in your experience too, like, like you said, being a goalie is a, it's, it's difficult, especially when those losses pile on and you're the only one in net. How, how is that for a young goaltender? Like how much does it make a difference or how much are you aware of like, you're seeing like Arvid did 30, 40 shots a night. Is it really going to hurt you not seeing wins for that long of a stretch? Or are you looking at it? Like that's not about, it's not about well, that. apparently he looked at it like it's not about that. I was a big baby. I would have been crying <laughs> myself to sleep at night. But luckily when I made it to the NHL, I was with the dynasty Chicago Blackhawks. So I, I kind of <laughs> got I kind of got eased into into duty. Um, but another thing, about, I was lucky enough to play for Jimmy Wade too. In a situation like this, he is perfect as a goalie coach. He's almost like a therapist because he is the type of goalie coach who is like, you can put your head on his shoulder and like confide him and like tell him how you feel. And he's not going to harp on you and beat you to a pulp and practice with video and all this stuff. But he's there to help you. Like generally he just wants the best for his goalies. And he's a great guy to have on his staff for these goalies going through this season. Do you think it's a little bit easier with a guy like Jimmy because he played the game because he played, you know, you look at his hockey DB or his history. He, he, was on for you know he was on some bad teams yeah. in his career um his numbers were solid but he was on some bad teams so uh, i'm wondering if maybe his own personal experience it, it helps him remain so calm cool and collected kind of like the entire coaching staff has mm -hmm. yeah i bet that definitely plays into it um because like you said he, he had some some seasons that were tough to get through too and uh but like, i've played for goalie coaches that if you're losing games like you're never going to hear the end of it. Like you're going to be watching film, getting picked apart every single goal. Like, you know, just like making the problem worse for you in your head. Like you're already stressed out enough. And now you have your coach kind of kicking a dead horse. But so I'm happy that these guys have Jimmy Wade to like do the complete opposite of that. 
Well, this is my last question, and it's, it, it'll be a quick one. It might put you on the spot a little bit, but who was the hardest shooter to play against in practice during those dynasty years for the Blackhawks? Uh, you know, Panarin had my number. Um, yeah, that's <laughs> and a lot of other people's as well. Stupid, that's, yeah, still has just about everyone's number. That stupid shootout move. Like we would practice every day. <laughs> I, for, I could not stop it I, every day for two years. Nothing. Um, but no, he, he probably has the most goals of me ever for one player ever in practice. <laughs> really quick, Scott. Actually, you know, we, we were talking about Arvid Soderblom and. He's back in Rockford. Now, the reason why Arvid got so much time in the first place had a, a lot to do with an injury to Alex Stalock, who fortunately is is healthy again and actually made his first start in, in quite some time on December 23rd against the Columbus Blue Jackets. But have you had the chance to, to meet Alex either this season or from seasons past? I feel like from a personality standpoint, you guys would get along really, really well. He's a he's a lighthearted guy, super funny. Also, I I feel like you guys would would be thick as thieves. You know, I haven't met him recently. We went to, in junior hockey. We went to a camp together. Uh, he beat me out for the job. Whatever. I'm not holding a grudge. Um, but no, I've worked- <laughs> oh, so that's why you're always ripping him on air. I get it now. <laughs> would- oh, that was a bad goal. That was a bad goal. I would never. Put in Mrazek. Um, <laughs> but no, I've, I've heard the same thing, so I'll have to, I'll have to meet him maybe. Because I, I know I want to catch up with Peter too, so maybe the three of us can go get, grab a dinner uh, one of these days. Good dude. Kaylee, all good on your end? I'm all good. I was trying to think of any Christmas questions for you. I know uh, you did your shopping a while back for your fiance or your girlfriend. Sorry, I didn't want to. <laughs> Lori. Breaking news. Oh, breaking you news. The, you see the sweat? Girlfriend. You see the sorry. sweat on my forehead already just hearing that? <laughs> you better go buy a ring now, Kaylee. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry about that one. Putting, this, putting the pressure on you here, Scott. Sorry. Um, how is the Christmas shopping going? And are you nervous? I know you used some of your material from your first introduction with her family. So are you excited for number two? And is she nervous? No, no, no. Um, uh, no, we actually did our Christmas today. So the hard oh. part's over because we got so much stuff. We're, uh, you know, obviously we have this and then the game and then tomorrow family all day and, then, you know, family all, all day for a Christmas day. So we did it today and I think – I think we both did a good job gift giving and <laughs> our dogs already ruined their gifts. It's supposed to be the toughest two toys in the world. One of them has gone 30 minutes. Fluff <laughs> everywhere. I'm going to write a letter. It's usually how it goes, especially well, they with are, your dogs. I was just going to say they are great Danes slash like the size of a horse. So, I mean, you know, you got to think the bite, the bite strength is pretty good. Yeah, but the, the brand's called Tuffy, toughest chew toy in the world. 30 minutes. So, well, maybe that's your next thing, broadcaster, comedian. Then you got to make the toughest two choy in the game for, yeah. the, for the pops. Now we're onto something. Now we're cooking with gas. We'll have to. We'll we'll have to get him on Shark Tank here in the next week when we play the San Jose Sharks. Oh, oh there we go. Ooh. There you go. Then you're going to be sweating, Scott. That's the most nervous I've ever been on one of our broadcasts is pitching Pat Boyle an idea yep. for TV. Really? That's, that's where Kaylee yeah. and I are looking at each other for moral support. Like, you go first. No, you go first. Yeah, it's, it's, it's tough, but I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I hope we're all in studio for that. Scott, uh, any can you can you plug any upcoming shows? Anything you care to uh, to touch on with your comedy career? Uh, no, I mean I'm going into back and I just 
did like a comedy run. So now I'm doing back into the hockey run, doing a lot of games with you guys coming up. So um, nothing too much to plug hockey wise or comedy wise, unless anyone listening knows any bookers and they need anybody to, you know, Zany's Rosemont, Zany's downtown, Laugh Factory, you know, whatever. Uh, you can contact me through the Chicago Blackhawks. <laughs> <laughs> Or or just send me a tweet. I'll put his number out on Twitter. Yeah, Don't worry. Yeah. Oh goodness, Colby, you probably would. <laughs> Dude, the fact that you're already doing shows or have done shows at Zany's and the Laugh Factory—that's awesome, man. I, I love going to shows there, and and uh, it, it's super cool to say that I know someone who's uh, who's performed there. So, listen, Scott, congratulations on. Uh, no, I just what, laughing. What, like, what are you shaking your head? For? Uh, no. I, I would say the coolest thing that happened. I was at a Bears game and someone recognized me as a comedian, not as a not a not as nice. a hockey player. They didn't know that I played hockey, but they were at Zanies, and I was like, in a I was like at the Bears too. game. I was like, ah, <laughs> like that just. Happened. And my girl was like, "What?" I'm like, "That person didn't know I played hockey." <laughs> they they were like, "Aren't you a comedian?" Wow. I'm like, "Does that mean I'm a comedian now?" <laughs> If yeah, it was if it now. was hockey, he would have been yeah. like putting his hat Not, down over his face. But since it's comedian, he's like, "Come on, let's yeah. take a picture. Let's go." Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> oh, is your? Did you get your your pictures? Up I, there, I brought right? them your, on. Uh... We got to see if they put it up. So okay, mm, I know that was one exciting. of your terms. Yeah, you got to you got to put the eight and a half by eleven up in the frame there that's uh that's another way getting recognized as comedian and then getting your picture up at zany's those are two ways you know you've made it as comedian scott this was awesome thank you for doing this we really appreciate it looking forward to the rest of this season and many more to come with you from a from a hockey perspective and then certainly seeing your your comedy career continue to grow as well so happy holidays happy new year and uh we will we will talk soon my friend thank you very much see you guys We are out of time for today on the latest episode of the Blackhawks Insider Podcast. Thanks, as always, to Trevor Bray and Jenna Rose for your work behind the scenes and our musicians, Brad Dollar and Southside Jake, responsible for all the great music featured on the podcast. Blackhawks.com is the place for more content to all you Hawks fans out there. We will talk to you next week. Enjoy the rest of the holiday season.